0: Hi, and welcome to Policy Pod by LDA. My name is Matt Gauthier, and I'll be your host. This podcast aims to break down common trends, problems, and concepts in the life insurance industry. We wanted to create a place where we could talk openly about things that confuse clients and advisors alike. I'm absolutely thrilled to kick off the 2024 Policy Pod season. It's hard to believe that it's our second year. And I'm genuinely excited about the incredible conversations that we have in store for you. This episode, we dive back into the intricate world of life insurance data feeds. Joining myself, Rich DeRitter, and Charlie Conron are two fantastic guests, Dallas Corbett and Tana Sabatino from Clydis. Their expertise is unparalleled, and they bring a wealth of insights into the dynamic landscape of block of business feeds and the groundbreaking work Clytus is doing in the life insurance sector. Together, we discuss the complexities, challenges, and opportunities that define the current state of life insurance data feeds. Before we get to the interview, I'm excited to let you know that we are opening our doors to the brilliant minds of the life insurance industry. We started PolicyPod to foster conversations that ultimately mattered to you. So, if you have a topic or area of expertise that you would like to discuss with us, or have as a topic this year on an episode... I want to hear from you. Connect with me on LinkedIn or send me an email at marketing at lifedesignanalysis.com to lend your insights and experience to the conversations on PolicyPod. Thank you everyone for joining uh, and we're really excited to have you guys on and talk about block of business feeds and digitization especially going forward. So if you guys wouldn't mind introducing yourselves, uh, we'll start with Darlis.
1: Thanks Matt. Uh, I just echo the your sentiment. We're really happy to be here today, Tana and I've been looking forward to this. I'm Darlis Corbett. I'm the executive director of Clitus and have been since 2016. but prior to that I spent over 30 years working in the insurance industry, held various senior roles throughout my career. And uh, prior to becoming the executive director was on the Clitus board for a number of years, so kind of got the feel for who they are and what they're doing before jumping in and becoming their executive director.
2: Great, so it's Tana Um I think, Daryl's going from being on the board to being our executive director does a lot about the work that we're doing, um, which is good for me since it's been my entire career, uh, has been around data standards in the insurance industry. In your podcast with uh, Kathy, you said, oh, don't ask me because it will date me, and that's how I feel. Whenever I'm asked about my um, career, I started out at Prudential as a cobalt programmer and data architect, and then moved to Accord in 1996 to start their life insurance program. So I've been involved with the standards that Clitus uses since their inception. I started working with CLITIS directly in 2002, um, and it w- was on an ad hoc basis doing guides and training. Um, But it was in 2012 that Plytus made a firm commitment to the industry to really drive the delivery of data as opposed to, we'll publish some guides and hopefully somebody will use it. So they really shifted focus and emphasis on really helping companies implement, driving out implementation, trying to get the data to be good, to be usable compared to what they were getting. And that's when I took on a, a, a more full-time role with Clitus as their implementation services specialist.
0: So, Dallas, why don't you tell us about a little bit about Colitis, what they provide to the industry, and then how that kind of ties into our conversation today about block and business feeds.
1: Sure. So, Clytis, a couple of interesting things about Clitus. So, Clitus spelled C-L-I-E-D-I-S, used to stand for the Canadian Life Insurance Electronic Interchange Data Standards Association. Even I can not remember all of it all of the time. Um, but it, back in 2016, We changed the name to the Canadian Life Insurance Standards Association, but we chose to keep Clytus the acronym because it was fairly well known throughout the industry. It's been around uh, for, oh, I don't know, over 25 years now, probably closer to 30 years. And another interesting little thing is that it's a not-for-profit organization, which you don't normally hear from a technology organization, but we are a not-for-profit organization. And as Tana briefly commented on, we're all about defining standards for the organization. We're not, uh, we're not a software development organization. We don't have software that we, that we sell. We don't, um, host data. We don't have servers on board. We are strictly all about defining a standard that the insurance and the Canadian life insurance industry can use to transport data back and forth between themselves so that they can enhance and improve their business capabilities when it comes to providing uh, service to their advisors and uh, ultimately their clients. A little while ago, Clydes embarked on some work to change their mission and vision. And, you know, I'll just quickly state what our mission and vision is, and it's not long. So our mission is that we facilitate progressive data exchange to advance business capabilities and connect the industry, with the vision being that we ensure the right information is accessible when needed. And I think that that vision statement kind of says it all. We are all about making sure that everyone has the right data when they need it. And um, I would say that at this point, there's nobody else in the industry quite like us. So we like to say that we are the only objective resource that's dedicated to advancing the standardized data exchange for the Canadian life insurance industry.
2: Yeah, I think objective is, is the key word there, Darla. Um, cause we are the only one that's really focused on data and data alone. We don't have a product we're trying to sell. Um, so we're not driven by the same needs. We're simply trying to get companies to share data amongst each other in a way that they can actually use it. You know, and you mentioned about the platform. We're often at that question. Well, who's hosting the data? Do I subscribe to Colitis to get the data itself? And it's like, we, we're, we stay out of that game. Because that shifts the focus from data exchange standards, consumability of information to developing a big platform that costs a lot of money that we need to maintain and and build out versus focusing on just on the data itself.
3: I think it's important to point out that Matt brought up block of business feeds, but there are a lot of different feeds that rely on these same standards. Um, pending feeds, application feeds, and things like that all have to rely on the same standard of data. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, we,
2: we support, um, right now we actively support and promote three data feeds. They're all based off the same standard, the Accord standards, and we take a subset of those standards um, to define each of the feeds so that you have a lot of commonality between them. You know, a policy is a policy, a party is a party, an address is an address. Um, but then there's different data that you care about when it's a new business application. And that's our first That in the workflow is you get the application notification. You use that to set up the policy in your system. You get the images and the documents associated with the application itself, and you can kick off your workflow. The data that's common in that is also common in the other feeds, right? So the next, after you get your application, you get the pending feed. And the pending feed tracks underwriting requirements through um, enforced business. And the one that you're mentioning, the block of business or the book of business feed, really focuses on that data after the policy goes force. Once it goes enforced, you need to maintain it. You need to know if the status changes. You need to know if it transfers out of the office or in, in many cases, transfers in because it was sold through a different MGA, and then the agent transfers over or sold their block, and you need to pick it up. So those three feeds all worked in concert within an MGA or within a distribu- distributor's office to build out their full block of business.
3: Um, and Tana, you touched on a court a little bit there, um, so the kits feeds are obviously based on the accord standards. Do you see, I mean, obviously uh, with your experience in the industry, both here in Canada and also in the U S um, as a comparison point, do you see much difference between the Canadian feeds we get uh, and the feeds that the U S carriers perhaps are receiving?
2: Yeah. I can speak hours on this topic, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very biased because um I design the Accord standards, and I focus on the Canadian market now. Um, so clearly everything is better in Canada. Uh, <laughs> but the reality, that that is actually true in how we've done the work that we've done. My role at Colitis was really, for me, and for, and I'd like to think for the industry, a bit of a game changer there. Um, because in the, in the U.S., they defined a guide, and it said, here's 150 data items that you may want to send on a pending fee. You, carrier A, decide what you're going to set. Carrier B, you, you pick as well. And we're not going to give you real firm rules around how you can set it up. and let, let the market decide. So as a vendor, you were getting these 20 elements from this company, something completely different from the next company because they picked picking shoes, what was easier for them. And there was no quality assurance. There's no validation. Is it right? Like, are they sending the correct information? Did they structure the policies the same way? I know you guys personally asked me about joint coverages, right? And what does that look like? Well, in the US, nobody's looking at it. Nobody looks at it that way. It's left up to the vendor community and the users. So they get the data, but they can't rely on it. Um, And that's a big difference here um, that I see is we really are trying to use the information. It's not enough to just provide a feed and wash our hands of it, but we need to use the information and validate and make sure that you're getting what you're supposed to get. Um, the biggest complaint we receive, ironically, at Claytis, is that no feed is 100%. In the U.S., they're like 60%. And here, they're 95%, but nobody's 100 And that 5% that you're missing from a feed is your biggest headache because, like, I guess I need that coverage premium from everybody for me to change my business process. Um, so it, it continues to be a struggle, but here it's much more refined, defined and refined exactly what you're going to get from the companies. And as a result, we see a much higher uptake and much higher actual usage of the information um, within the MGA. So you get a lot of questions about what it is that I'm getting, um, why am I getting this and not that? Um, can you explain to me w- what this actually is? We we never get those questions in the U.S. because the data goes through and no one's really looking
3: at it. Interesting. So it's nice to hear that we have better data in Canada, even though companies like ours are always asking for, you know, that last 5%. Uh, we, we talked about this briefly on one of our past podcasts with Aaron McKee Um you know, everyone obviously has a little bit of a different use case and potentially a different technology on that back end that, you know, is the information available? You know, I always give the example of renewal premiums is something we're always after on turn products. Um, and companies tell us, well, that's calculated at the time of renewal. Um do you see that, you know, like, obviously, there's that last 5%. Do you see sort of the alert feeds where, you know, book of business feeds seem to be the last feed to be invested in as opposed to the new business and and where companies are investing? Is it more of a technological back end problem or more of a maybe a financial decision that new business is seemingly more immediate?
2: I with the combination Charlie what we see is um, on the new business side they're investing heavily in their app system right in getting the data in um, and that's relatively new the issue though is everybody has different app everyone has different business processes everyone has different underwriting rules and they sell different products right and different features so they're not all capturing the same exact information at the time that you complete the application when that happens, you don't necessarily get every single data point in the application notification, even because they didn't—they're not all capturing it the same way. There's also differences even on the app as to when the feed is produced. Is it produced out of the application system? You get one set of data. If it's produced after it moves from that system to underwriting, well, not all the data is made in the underwriting system that was captured on the app. So we see those complaints as well. And we track down to the data element exactly what every carrier is sending as a result um, because of those nuances. So you, we definitely see that on the app. You definitely see it a lot more in book of business, but that's because of legacy. So they're not, you know, there's one company that has 250 policies that they moved over from company to company that does not have a name in their backend system. So comes in as no lot, no name, right? And I can tell you what distributors get them. One has 45 of those policies, (laughs) another has 20. And they call me saying, all these dumps to a client called no name and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with them. And I'm like, well, look up the policy on the website. What's the name there? And they look it up and they're like, oh, there's no name there either. Right? So, those problems were hidden because you're not looking them up manually, right? You're not looking up all these policies and you're not seeing the bad data until you try to automate, you know, automate the processing of it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this data is bad. And that name, how, how can you have, you know, Tana and Dorlis as a single name in the system? That's, that's how it was captured in 1974 and it, it, it lives on. Um, so they're not going to make the investment in those, in those old blocks. So the big challenge is how to work around it. Um, On the, the new business side, a lot of it's questions back and forth to say, hey, you had to have captured the email address somewhere along the way. And if it's not in that system, you need to get it in that system so you can send it. So it's different conversation between the feeds.
3: You, you know, it's interesting because we sometimes think of e-apps as almost saving part of this process because we are getting so much rich digital information. But you're right, without a standard on the e-app side of things, on the collection side of things, uh if for some of these new business processes, we are kind of creating uh, future fragmentation.
2: Exactly, Charlie. And it's, even if we, you know, there was a discussion, do we come up with a single industry e-app? <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm trying to imagine every company saying, oh, I don't get competitive advantage about having a good application system and underwriting built into it and validation. Of course, there's competitive advantage there. But even if we actually agree on that, then it's the next step, right? What happens next? Well, it goes into a uh, back-end system somewhere. Not everyone's going to have the same back-end system. And we don't all, and okay, maybe we do, but I have product features that you don't have. How is that going to be? handled. And wait, my underwriting process is different. Who contacts the, you know, my agreement with the distributors are different as opposed to who does what from ordering pyramids and all that, you know, without a standard industry process across the board, you're never going to get every single piece of data that you want. It's easier in things that are more commoditized like funds where it's, it's a fund um, the information you you buy funds, you sell funds. The information is pretty standard because they're all processing that stuff the same way. There's no underwriting involved. There's no nuances about how to make my product feature look different than your product feature so that you will buy mine instead. Um, so it becomes much harder.
0: Rich, you obviously have spent a lot of time with this, uh, working alongside Colitis to standardize feeds and work with carriers to bring feeds into LDA. So how does this this problem of missing data and mixed data and unmatching numbers. How how have you like kind of tackled that within life design analysis to help you know push push along
4: the standardization? Yeah, we have sort of a we have our minimum. So we definitely have our required values and, and we've agree with our user base and so on. But these are these are sort of our base minimum fields that need to be populated um, in order to perform certain actions, right? If you want certain insights, you obviously have to have to feed that data. in. So there is some uh, some basis level that we must have. Other than that, we have some fields that will be optional and some that we will actually uh, maybe even apply some machine learning on. So if we have if we have a few other fields and we can train some some models on, we can actually deduce what this this other field might actually be populated with. And those are obviously um, not key important fields. We don't want to mislead anything. So we, uh, we can only do that with, with sort of the lower priority fields. <laughs> um, but we make use of, of every bit of data that we can get. So if there is if there is the, uh, the ability to populate a field, we will. <laughs> or we'll bring it in from multiple sources. So in one case, um, we might be looking at product masters. So... So the product details in the book of business might not be fully provided, but they might provide the product code. And then we get a, another feed from the carrier, about all their products, so sort the of product masters. So we can bring that together and, and marry them. <clears throat> we're also looking at marrying other bits of information, such as uh, advisor data. So we might only get the advisor code on the book of business, but we'll, we're looking at feeds from PEPSA or, or carriers or whomever we can get. Um, further details about the advisors themselves. So we, we also enhance the data from other feeds as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, this, this seems like
0: for someone who's not a technological background, this is a very messy system that we are now trying to kind of pull the strands apart to organize and straighten everything out. It, with APIs rising, is there a spot now where that's the kind of the next step logically for these, for these feeds, Donna?
2: Yes. Thank you, Matt. That was exactly where I was going to go. Um, we are maximizing what we can get from the feed, you know, and at this point, if a carrier, and I'll just put out coverage premium because it comes up a lot, half the carriers provide it, half do not, and the half that do not are the ones we really want it from. Um, and the, that, ha- that the half that do not, maybe one of them could possibly add it to the feed. The other, the data simply is not available from the source system that the feed is generated from. So they cannot provide that data element, that data in the feed. Um, the other challenge that we face with the feeds is they weren't designed for the use cases that we are utilizing them today. You know, and for instance, I worked with you guys on an Inforce Illustration project, right? You no, know, the book of Business Feed was not set up to support Enforce Illustration. So of course there's data points that you want that is not going to be in there unless they go and change the feed to add them, which I, I know we were successful in doing in at least one case. Um, for that, those data points is one is the initial area that APIs will help. For that system that does not have coverage premium because it it they can't put it in the feed because it's simply not in that system and they can't like call out to a different system to grab it, to stick it in the feed, to send it along. They can create an API that says, get me coverage premium. So just call that API, pull it down for the policies that you need it for and be done with it. And that's a very Mm -hmm. cheap way to solve the problem versus trying to add it to the feed. And the same with the other feed data, you know, you wanted rating information and flat extras and things like that. Great data elements, but you don't necessarily need it for every single policy and not every carrier, and, and because you're not doing enforce illustrations on term business or, or whatever, right? So you may not need it um, for everything. And getting the feeds changed to add things is extremely costly. Uh, is, is, you know, the the places that we were able to get that data was they were creating the fee for the first time, you know, so we just said, yeah, throw that in as a set of requirements, just add it now upfront. But to go back, these feeds were created, the pending feed in 2012, eApps came in starting in 2018, book of business, the first one was 2019. To go back and say, okay, let's do major enhancements. It, it, we're just not gonna be seeing a lot of that. So that's where APIs, getting back to your question on APIs, that's where they come in. An API to grab, flat extra amount, rating, small API. Here's the policy number, so, uh, you have access, go grab that data, put it in. It's in a different system than we had the feed. No problem. Just go back and grab it from there. Um, so we can do that with APIs, but we can't do it as easily with the feed.
3: And I think that's probably actually, for our listeners, um, it may be worthwhile just sort of describing, you know, what an API is. So I think often in programming, especially, in, you know, when you hang around developers a lot, we, you know, we say API is a solution to everything. And basically, it's application programmer interface, and it's, it's ways that two applications can talk to each other programmatically. Um, but it might be worth, you know, even Rich, maybe you can uh, give me a better description of how these feeds come in currently, like uh, the XML process and maybe some pros and cons um, over an API with a payload, like a JSON token um, versus, say, an XML file.
4: Yeah, the, currently the XML is a, is a great solution for a bulk amount of data, right? So if you have hundreds of thousands of records, you don't typically want to pass that back and forth through uh, through sort of a request-response messages um, like an API, so when you have a large volume, these come in really handy. So, book of business is a good is a great example for a, a good uh, feed, um, and and it can be parsed quite easily when it's an XML file. We have your um, your sort of dictionary of the of the file. <laughs> an API is great for exactly what Tina was mentioning. So. Just uh, making specific requests for small amounts of data. You can do it rapidly, um, rapid fire. So this isn't like a manual process where you're asking policy at a time sort of deal. But as part of a process for loading in the data, you, you can recognize a policy or, or 50 policies or missing a certain field. You can launch off requests to obtain that from the, from the source. Um, so, yeah, so APIs are, are a great solution for for um, sort of enhancing that policy data, like I mentioned, where we, we might be using machine learning, where we might be using um, bringing in multiple feeds. <clears throat> this is sort of that next step where automate that with with API calls directly to the source.
2: The key there is that it's behind the scenes. We, that's another question we get asked a lot um, from our, our MJ partners. Who's going to be sitting there and clicking? It covers premium for every policy. And it's like, no, no, that's all. It's it just, it's background, um, just another way to get at the information.
3: And I think of the latency issue. Like, I mean, again, even when we think about, so, you know, obviously the work that we're, that you guys are doing is is incredibly important, especially as we think about the future and all these different systems feeding different kinds of information to have a standard is incredibly important. Um, but APIs, you know, I think with the latency, um, even the nuances between, you know, okay, we have a standard, we adhere to it, but even the way we deliver data might be different, right? So, you know, some of these feeds come in as an absolute payload, um, meaning every policy is there every time and you have to be there to cache it to notice those transferred out or, um, exchanged policies, things that have moved, um, versus some carriers are sending the, you know, the same format. But in a Delta, yeah. they'll only send you the changes. So can you maybe talk about, Rich, uh, you, you have a good sense of, even within the standard, some of these nuances.
4: Yeah, we, for, for us at least, we've developed some internal processes for loading all this book of business data. And, yeah, there are various – we we deal with a lot of different formats, not just the uh, Kit standard, unfortunately. We do deal with anything that comes in. But, you know, with the Kit standard – like you mentioned, it could be a full file. So every every week or every month that they deliver this file, it is every policy they have for that MGA, um, or they could be a delta file where it's only the policies that have changed. And however, however they define change is is up to them as well. It could be one of the fields in that policy file, or it could even be a field that's not even included in kits, and maybe they still send it out as a change. So there are some some aspects that are open to interpretation there, but but uh, we do deal with full files and out of that we we extract the delta so we recognize changes in that file or in the delta where we we load it in and and it's a little bit it has its own ethics around recognizing why a policy might drop off a file. So in a, in a delta in a delta world, it could drop off because it transferred out. Um, or they may drop off because they changed the status to something that they just don't include in their, their extracts. And same goes with the full file. It might, it might drop off for certain reasons um, as opposed to others. So there are certain aspects to the feeds that are you need to define exactly how our policy might drop off that file. Um, and in the case of an API that can, again, answer those questions for you by by making a quick request for, you know, what happened to this policy. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, we're getting a notification that something has happened.
4: Hmm. Yep, proactively, if they
0: uh, can push. So we've talked a lot about how these feeds are important and how we the standards are there in place in order to, like, future fix this issue that we've been dealing with with these legacy systems and these different feeds. Um, but, Darla, maybe you can touch to this, is why is this important? So we know that it's important for an organization standpoint, but for the advisors, the MGAs, the other people in the industry that need this feeds and the data, why is it important to them that they have access to this?
1: Sure. I mean, basically, I think it boils down to to two key things, streamlining The business processes within the distribution or the MGA's organization and the ability to service their clients, whether they, you know, whether you view your client as the advisor or the policyholder at the end of the day. Um, But I think those are the two key points. And, you know, what we hear often from from the distribution organizations is that. You know, we still have to touch every policy. We still have to look at this. We still have to look at that. All the things that you guys have just talked about, right, in terms of pain points within the feeds themselves. And while the feeds have definitely contributed to streamlining a fair bit of that, you know, we're still hearing the same. The same comments around, we haven't been able to streamline our business processes the way we want to. We haven't been able to reduce headcount, all those things that would contribute to a business case to be able to get more things done, right? So APIs, I think at the end of the day, um, will fill in a lot of those blanks that we're hearing. And we're really, truly focused on the business processes. So when Tana talks about Uh, you know, we're developing an API for this or an API for that. We're really trying to take a look at it from the overall business process perspective. So what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Because one of the things that we've noticed with the feeds is that the way that organizations are using the feed has evolved over time. So while we developed the feed with one thing in mind 10 years ago, the use case for that has changed And we want it with APIs, I believe, and I think the uh, board at Clydes and I think Tana does too. um, You know, we can really kind of focus on the overall business process. And then we can help feed that so that organization can either modify or improve, streamline their business processes, which ultimately will better serve the advisor at the end of the day. right? Right now, we don't personally provide data to the advisor directly but that's not to say that that couldn't change over time as well as we start to grow out this particular service capability. It's it's not something we're looking at right now, but it's something that we recognize probably needs to be there.
3: Yeah, we talked a little bit about that in our last podcast with Aaron as well. While the feeds are great, they are normally leveraged by the national account which is phenomenal if your national account is one of the ones who lets uh, that information get to the advisors in the field. Uh, But we talk a lot kind of about the democratization of that feed and how carriers sort of, again, are the ones who control that authentication stage because they do have the portals. It would be nice to see not only APIS within the stair, but available through that same single sign on that. an advisor could um, leverage just by logging into their advisor portal.
2: Exactly. Um, I'll refer back to the, uh, your policy pod with, um, Kathy as well, where she was talking about PPI wanting to be a single source. It would work the same way, right? They, they log into their single source system and that system has access to the data that it needs, whether that data is locally stored or whether it's calling the API to the carrier to get at it. Um, so it's, it's really gonna, it's a game changer for the industry to really build out these APIs, you know, and and the the point Starless is making about the, the business case, right? Like it's hard to say, okay, this is gonna save you half a person or eight hours a week or that kind of thing. Um, it's are you a carrier that's easy to do business with? How do you become a you know a supplier of choice? Um and to do that, you need to modernize. We need to um, be on current technologies, not, not future technologies, current technologies, um, and really
3: be able to. I think so devices. too. I, I think That's there's great. the whole compliance aspect as well. You know, again, we've yes, we always expect these sort of technology investments to yield sales, but a lot of the times they're also defenses again against compliance to make sure we are looking at every policy.
0: So we want to obviously tackle digitized feeds and standardize these feeds from all carriers. Uh, let's say that we are able to to do that. Um, how would that change or transform the future of the life insurance industry?
1: Sure. I mean, I think, you know, at, at the very base, every MGA national account would have access to every piece of data that they needed in order to to run their business and to service their clients at the end of the day. I mean... They have that now, but they don't have it easily. They don't get it easily in all you know, from all corners of the world. So, so I think that's that's the core. I mean, if think, I mean, it, it's the same way as when you know we find out we get access to like I think back to way way back when when all of a sudden I could do online banking. Like, how much easier did that make my life? To be able to sit on the couch and and take care of my banking and investments and all of that. Well, if the advisor had access to every piece of data from every company that he does business with, I mean, I can only imagine how much easier his life gets in servicing his clients. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really the core of it. Donna, do you want to add to that? Yeah, so um, I agree
2: completely, Darlis. Uh, and then I think you're also referencing some of the podcast um, that you had with Aaron, which was, we don't have book of business feeds from everybody yet. Um, so we need that baseline uh, and that baseline is not This gets you to the point of knowing exactly what business you're responsible for servicing. You can't service a policy if you don't know you have it. Uh, and, and that's, that's where those local business feeds really come in is to set that baseline within the system. So that's the first area is to just be able to service clients. You need to know what policies they actually have, what businesses is enforced, you didn't know the policy lapsed three years ago, That kind of, what business transferred in, what business transferred out. Um, so that's the baseline, and that's where the feeds really solve the problem. Like Rich was referring to earlier, that, that bulk transfer, get it set up. And then APIs can take over a lot of the work around, well, I need additional data points. And now we want to submit a policy change, um, and add, we can automate address change requests. We can get a notification of a pending lapse as opposed to after the fact that it lapsed three weeks ago and we're picking it up on the feed today. Um, those, are, That's where APIs are really going to change how we use the information because we're able to get actionable information, things that we can um, build processes for to save business, to um, you know grab data to help me in um, adding coverage or Um, doing conversions and things like that that we just don't have we just don't even have that baseline across all the carriers in place to do anything.
1: Yeah I think there's two like two core issues that we're facing right now um, Plytus in the industry and you know one of them is as Tana just stated we don't have not every organization has those feats all the feats across the board right so Without that, if all the carriers aren't producing the feeds, then not everybody's getting a standardized feed. So that creates its own challenges. Um, the the other challenge that we're facing right now in terms of moving our APIs forward is, and Charlie kind of alluded to this way back at early on in in the at the start of this, sort of you know what's holding us back, and what's holding us back right now in moving the API initiative forward is we're not. It's not front and center on everybody's budget list or priority list right now, right? So how do we, Colitis as an organization, how do we get the industry at large to make this a priority? How do we get the carriers and distributors and back-end service providers to make this a priority and implement this, because without this, we are going to be at the same stage we are now, right? Without moving the initiative forward, because as we have been talking about all along, we're likely not going to make much more progress on main or changes to the feeds. We will maintain them, but we're probably not going to make significant changes to the feeds
3: yeah, and I think we need these companies to look at these feeds as that profit center. They need to you know look right. at the bigger picture. You know, I think about your banking example, um, photo depositing a check. Um, I can't imagine that makes the bank a ton more money than us physically going into a branch to deposit a check and taking up a teller's time. But the convenience factor that provided when it was launched, was what made people switch financial institutions or stay with their current institution. So, um, you know, I do really see this as an area that these companies need to invest in. What would you say is the higher priority between the two? Is it getting a complete set of feeds, even if it is more basic, or is it a more robust data set from carriers already providing feeds?
2: Well, they're both equally important. Um, If the carrier is already providing three feeds, our focus is 100% on building out the additional data points and functionality. And it's not just data. It can be, you know, submitting changes, um, being able to actually do business processes with it. But for the carriers that don't have all three feeds in place, particularly missing that book of business, that's our number one priority for those carriers is you need to get that baseline and then build off of it. So we're I, I can't say one is more important at this point. They're they're both equally important to us.
3: Yeah. And we ask the same question. We say like how can our listeners get involved? And if you are listening, I would say if you are an advisor, talk to your MGA. If you are at an MGA, talk to your leaders. But um, um, generally speaking, we find people are very supportive of the idea and they want the results. But the process investing in creating new data points or, you know, this new type of feed to reduce latency is daunting, even though it will be so impactful downstream in the industry.
2: Yeah, it's, it's the real issue.
0: So, um, other than that, uh, we do want to obviously help support your initiative and like we are working with you as Colitis and we want advisors and our listeners to be able to work with you as well. So what can we do next, uh, besides this to get involved? Um, besides like the last episode with Aaron McKee, we did start a motion of support to the carriers that don't have the digitized block of business feeds to say that we want to support you in this initiative. What other ways can they, uh, support Clitus in this motion, in this movement?
2: Yeah, well, uh, why is to um, go back to that motion and put your name against it, to say this is something um, you really need, because those few carriers that haven't built out the feed yet, they really need to hear from the end users, from the advisors. Clitus has been in their face, you need this, you need this, you need this, but we're not the ones that's selling the policies, we're not they're their, their, money makers. So if they don't hear from those distributors from their top advisors, um, it, that's where they really, really need to hear it. Like we really need this, need these seeds built out. Um, the, the other areas is simply keep talking about it. You know, it, people need to know that, uh, Colitis, as an organization, we're only as strong as our members and we're only as strong as, you know, what the community um, is asking for. So we know people want data. We we know you need standard information so that you can build processes off of it. And we just need help in the, the communication of that.
1: And I think a- another way that we can help, um, Tana and I are always available and willing to come in. Uh, come in virtually, come in physically to to talk to anybody about what we're doing, why it's important and how we can maybe help their organization move forward. So if anybody's listening to this and they're thinking they need a little bit more information about Colitis and what we do and how maybe they could get started or how they could advance their initiatives within their particular organization, they could just reach out to either Tana or myself and we'd be happy to have some additional conversations with them.
0: And how's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: uh, They go out to our website, www.colitis.ca, and they take a look at uh, who we are. You'll see Tana and I's contact information there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Tana and Darlis. This has been a great conversation as well as with Rich and Charlie. Um, We we think the future is obviously bright. We uh, are all working together, and I think that that's the biggest part is we support each other, we support the advisors, and we support the carriers, and eventually we'll move forward into a, into a much better and uh, digitized way. Great. So.
1: Thank you for having us on. Yes, thank you yeah. very much.
0: And that's a wrap on today's episode of Policy Pod by LDA. Before I go, I just want to express my gratitude to our incredible guests for joining us and sharing their valuable insights. We believe that everyone's voice deserves to be heard especially when it comes to matters that affect all of us. If you feel as passionately as our guests do about the importance of easier access to your block of business feeds, we urge you to take action and make a difference. Head on over to our website, www.lifedesignanalysis.com or any of our social media channels to find the petition that we've created advocating for this crucial cause by signing the petition. You can add your voice to the growing movement, seeking positive change in this area and together we can bring attention to the issue and push for the necessary changes. Thank you for being a part of the PolicyPod community and for standing up for what you believe in. Your support and engagement makes all the difference. The conversation doesn't have to stop here. Like I said, we have a group on LinkedIn called PolicyPod by LDA. It's a place where insurance professionals like yourself can connect and share ideas and discuss anything related to the world of life insurance. So come to LinkedIn and join the conversation there. I highly encourage you to also go to www.lifedesignanalysis.com. If you've never used our platform before, you can sign up for your 15-day trial. Or if you're just interested in seeing the platform, you can sign up for a demo with one of our customer support team. And they'll walk you through the entire platform, top to bottom, to show you how it can enhance your practice. Thank you again for joining us today for this episode. I look forward to the next one. Have a wonderful day.